Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, sitting to my left, we have Justin Anderson, uh, joining us via Skype in Halifax. We've got uh, Patrick Marsh. Today's episode is brought to you by Carlos Delgado's Goatee, uh, probably the most underrated goatee in baseball history. I don't think Carlos Delgado gets enough love for his goatee. Chris Woodward, close second. Actually, yeah. Chris Woodward's goatee back in his Jays days was great. I was going to say Billy Koch, but I don't think Billy Koch had a goatee. He was more of a soul patch guy. Soul patch thing. He's very triangular. Patrick, do you like the soul patch or no? You seem like a soul patch kind of guy. No, I absolutely detest the soul patch, but I will say that, in my opinion, the best goatee, Paul Quantrill. Oh, God, here's another one. We have had a Paul Quantrill reference on the show every day or every week for the past four weeks. It's ridiculous. Paul Quantrill has not gotten this much love. Is there no end? He didn't end? even get this much love during his playing days. Is there no end? Like, jeez, Paul Quantrill. You aren't the title sponsor of this episode. Carlos Delgado's goatee <laughs> is. Jeez, come on. Also, this episode is brought to you by No Name Cheese Slices. Don't buy them. Uh, just use the extra $2 to buy name brand. I bought No Name Cheese Slices the other day. Fucking gross. So half, uh, half of them stick to the wrapper anyway. <laughs> it didn't even say cheese on the label. I looked at it afterward. Like the word cheese was not once said on the label. That's when you know you probably shouldn't buy it. Because it's cheese, technically. So no-name cheese slices, Carlo Delgado's goatee. We're starting this episode off hot. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, BFMD Podcast. Look it up. Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're all over it. Again, to the 11 people who gave us a good review on iTunes, you are our top fans. You know how on Facebook they have those top fan things now? Yeah, yeah. those are our top fans. Well, do we they appreciate have that? you. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. Not the loop. I don't, I'm not on there. Oh, yeah, Mr. I'm they too ha- cool for Facebook no, over t- here. Tell me a bit about you this. Like no, no. You like to throw that in. You're like a you, vegan. You just looked at no, me. No, you're like a vegan guy. You always the top bring fans it up. Thing. You always bring it up when it doesn't need to be brought, you brought up. up Facebook. How vegans are always like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm vegan. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't have Facebook. Oh. Um, no, but I, I'm curious about this. Tell me a little bit about it. Like, so it if work? you comment a lot on, let's say, CBC Sports or CTV Saskatoon sure. or something, uh, whenever you comment, uh, you'll have a little like top fan thing on the top oh, of your okay. name just to show that so you follow along a lot. So it's kind of like when you're looking at like a, a Google review for a business that has like somebody says like a local guy exactly. or something. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cool, yeah. But, yeah. yeah okay, okay. Like some people have it for Barstool Sports, and it's like if you're a top oh. fan commenting on Barstool Sports articles – I don't mind Barstool sometimes. Like, sometimes they're just a little whatever, yeah. you know? But sometimes they're actually kind of funny. But if you're the guy commenting on the Barstool sports articles all the time, get a life, man. Get a life. Uh, on today's episode, <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the draft and our stud of a first-round pick. I cannot wait for this Alex Manoa, or Alec Manoa kid, sorry. Uh, we got a really, really good what-if uh, situation today. Big shout out to Patrick for thinking that up. Uh, we'll talk about the week that was. We'll talk about who's hot, who's not. But uh, first of all, we got to talk about the wraps. Um, tied 1-1 with Golden State. We're recording on the day of game three. So let's hear some predictions. Patrick, you first. Uh, how do you think the Raptors game is going to go tonight? Uh, I think they're going to take the L, and then I think they're going to win game four. Then they're going to win game five, lose game six, and then win game seven. Okay. So that way they win at home. Mm-hmm. So you're Raptors saying, seven. I already called it. Okay, lost tonight, Justin. Um, yeah. So they're going to win tonight. I said Raps in six. It's going to go win-loss, win-win. I said Raps in four, but that was just for the sexiness 
of the prediction. Yeah. But I'm still thinking Raps in five. I think they're going to win tonight, win tomorrow, and then win, or tomorrow, win uh, game four, and then uh, win game it's five. It's going to be tough. I mean, the Warriors might be without Clay Thompson tonight. Yeah. Uh, Iguodala is going to play, and but they lost uh, Looney for the series with yeah. the collarbone. Iguodala is sure. banged up, too. Like He made yeah. that big shot at the end of game two, but he's banged up. Well, and you know if Kevin Durant plays, he's banged up, too. Yeah, and like the Raptors played if. like garbage last game, and they had a chance to win it with like 20 seconds left. Yeah. So like against Golden State, if you play like garbage and you still have a chance to play on the final or a chance to win they the final possession. They give up 18 straight points. Oh, if that third quarter didn't happen, they'd be up 2-0. Two, two they'd the be in such minutes. a good spot. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the Raps, man, though. I, what do you think has been better so far? The Jays run in 2015 or the Raps run so far? The Raps. I think the Raps have been Cause, better? Because the whole season from the start of this Kawhi trade, we, we knew they had a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Jays, it was always like, Okay, yeah, they can probably make the playoffs. And we almost we almost lost to Texas. We we had to reverse sweep Texas just to get out of the first round. Mm-hmm. So, I mean that damn Amish kid. But <laughs> I I always just felt like the this this Raps team was built for a championship, or is that Jays team was built to succeed, but not not necessarily built for a championship, in my opinion. Patrick, what do you like better, the Jays run in fifteen or the Raptors run now? The Raptors run that they're on right now is the, they are the single best Canadian men's sports team since probably the Jays in 92-93. Now I preface that by saying the men's because the Canadian women's uh, national soccer team is tremendous. If you haven't watched them play, they're some of the most talented soccer players in the world right now, and I like their chances in the World Cup coming up. Yeah, it's pretty quick. That Jays run was something else, though. It was like, great. That Jays run was, like, coming down, like, I remember when we got David Price and Tulo, and I remember watching David Price's first start in a trailer at the lake with, like, <laughs> horrible satellite service, but just being so pumped. Ever since yeah. that David, or when that David Price trade happened, I was like, here we go. It was some of the best baseball I've ever seen. It was great. Yeah. I just remember, again, that playoff series with Texas was just nuts. And just, I love this run that the Raptors is on, that the Raptors are on right now. But, man, I can, it's hard for me to put this Raptors run above that Jays run. I know the Jays didn't make it to the final. And I know yeah. that the Jays weren't really expected to win. But it was just, oh, man, that was so fun to watch. How that. great would it be for the Raptors to kick off their 25th season by raising a championship banner next yeah, year, though? That'd, that'd be, be pretty badass. That'd be something else. Uh, speaking of the Jays, pretty good draft. But the thing with the MLB draft <laughs> is you never really know. It's like playing roulette. It's a crapshoot. It's an, Like, how many rounds are there again? Like, 60? I think we're in, like, I think there's about 40. 40? It seems like 60. Yeah, it seems like it goes on forever. It's just ridiculous, the MLB draft. The first three rounds are like, okay, but most of them, you know, like they're in high school. You've never heard of these guys. Uh, our first overall pick, though, uh, 11, yeah, well, first round, 11th overall, uh, Alec Manoa from West Virginia. Uh, this guy's a big boy, 6'6", 260. Yeah. Has the frame of CC Sabathia, <laughs> throws like CC Sabathia. His fastball hits about 97. Uh, his slider's pretty good, good changeup. Uh, comes from a baseball family. His brothers have been drafted. He turned around West Virginia, not by himself, mm-hmm. but West Virginia is not really a baseball school, and he's kind of the guy that has led their rebuild, which I really like to see because it shows how good he is. He can turn yeah. around a crappy team that has been bad for a long time and make them really, really good. Uh, first impressions, Patrick, on this guy. 
Uh, I have to say, for a guy that has... Doesn't he already have two... Is it two plus pitches or is it three plus pitches? Uh, it's he's got a, he's got a good sinking fastball and a plus slider. His changeup is DC, so he got three pitches. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that fastball's got got big heavy sink on it. So that's that's a great thing for uh, the Blue Jays organization, as we know how well sinker ballers have done. Yeah, that I really like hit the variety that he brings and the fact that he's a big boy. Like holy shit, he's <laughs> six six two sixty. Like I. I haven't seen a picture of him yet, but I got to imagine he's got a little bit of the the Bartolo look. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna look him up. You should right uh, now. watch the video of him being drafted. He's with all his family, and he's just a big dude. Like he doesn't Huge. look. He doesn't look fat though. He just he's he's six six. Like, mm-hmm. The dude is just he's a tank. Like he's an absolute. Unit. Holy shit! He he's is wide. big. Yeah, he's I'm wide. looking at pictures yeah. of him now. He's, just, he's a thick boy. I'm gonna call him Door because he's literally as wide as a door. <laughs> like he probably can't fit in doors yeah, at most a, places. He's like, a big dude. He's got those huge shoulders. Uh, we picked another pitcher in the second round who was also six six. Yeah. But he's the opposite of Door. He's a pencil. <laughs> uh, he's six six, two hundred and five pounds. <laughs> Kendall Williams out of IMG Academy. High school kid. A lot of people know what IMG Academy is because it's like the athletic school in the states. Like yeah. you go there if you're a gifted athlete. Um, that Michael O'Connor kid mm-hmm. who got drafted by the Toronto Argonauts, went to Penn State, transferred to UBC, won the Vanier Cup. He went to IMG. Yeah. And like it's a big deal if you get there. So this uh, Kendall Williams guy again, six six, two oh five, doesn't chuck gas like Dor does. He's um, only eighteen. Yeah, but he is only eighteen, that's the thing. They were talking about how he was sitting to about about eighty seven to ninety one at the start of this season and now he's touching ninety four as he's starting to get stronger. He's at five miles an hour on his fastball yeah. in a year? For the peak, yeah. Good for him. I guess lanky guys can always add a lot of velocity too. And as soon as they get stronger, like with with that kind of height, you know he has long arms. He's got mm-hmm. a good. He's got good le- good levers, right? His elbow and his his shoulder. He's got a lot of good length in his joints, mm-hmm. and that just helps to throw hard because you just have that catapult coming forward kind yeah. of thing. So as he fills out, they think he'll be able to. Uh, get closer to the high 90s. Uh, he committed to Vanderbilt, which is always a good thing because Vanderbilt is a baseball a school. school. It's the opposite of West Virginia. This guy is like the bizarro version of Alec Manoa. Yeah. Like we picked like two basically opposite kind of pitchers yeah. from opposite backgrounds. Um, Patrick, do you like the fact that we bolstered up our pitching in the first two rounds of the draft? I mean, it's necessary. We're seeing that a lot of our starters right now uh, ultimately are turning out to be failures in their experiments. So, you know, Best that we move on from guys like Stroman and Sanchez, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. I really like the fact that Kendall Williams comes to us with um, what we have listed here as above average command. This is something that is absolutely killing us right now, is that we, like our two hot young pitchers that we were touting for years, Stroman and Sanchez, were known for being you know, flamethrowers, um, but when it came to command, they just haven't figured it out yet, and they're running out of time to figure it out before, you know, their free agency happens. So it's kind of nice to see that we're picking guys who are who have better command. I've always preferred command pitchers, guys who could throw just absolute junk that could pick the corners, like Tom Glavin. I love those types of pitchers. What about you, Justin? Are you happy we took pitchers in the first couple rounds? I know you kind of want us to reload in the outfield a little bit more. We did take outfielders in the third and fourth yeah, round. Yeah, day two was like a full slate of, of mm-hmm. uh, position players. Um, yeah, I'm very happy 
that we uh, picked some pitchers. I was hoping we would get there was a left-handed pitcher that I wanted, but he went a little bit a little bit before our pick. Um, I wanted the Jays to get him, hopefully. But Manoa was. We said we would take the best player available at, at the eleventh overall pick, and Manoa was ranked eleventh by most scouting sources. Mm-hmm. So I mean, based on that, um, we took the best player available, and he's a, a he fits a big need, and he's a big boy. So um, imagine this guy who's already played a couple years in college. Um, he'll probably start. Uh, maybe in short season ball this year if he goes to Bluefield or something. But he could be a guy who, if he pitches well, could be moved up pretty quickly. And, I mean, he might catch up to Nate Pearson at some point. Honestly, Pearson's up in double-A now, but he's still pitching on that short workload. So to mm-hmm. have those two guys potentially coming up around each other, whereas they're both huge dudes. Um, so hopefully Manoa can, can fall into the system and sort of progress nicely. And Williams is also obviously going to be a little bit... Uh, shorter or a bit longer of a of a wait time for us. He's got to fill out a little bit, uh, master his command, master his pitches, um, and hopefully find some of that polish that that Manoa already has from his years in college. Again, you're the prospect guy on this podcast. Um, yeah. Patrick, we'll get to you here in a bit, Pierre. But what are some other guys in the draft? Because we don't want to go through every no. single round. Obviously, uh, that would be the most boring podcast of all time. But what are some other guys that kind of I don't know. Stuck out, stuck out to you. Yeah, I guess. quick shout for for Deshaun Brown, uh, Canadian kid. We took him in the third round, center fielder. Uh, he's pretty. He's a tinier guy. I mean, he's five eleven, one sixty five, which by athletic standards these days is pretty uh pretty small. Uh, he's only seventeen. He has an August birthday, so he was just eligible for the draft. Uh, they say he's got good contact skills and he's he's great speed. He's got a seventy grade speed right now, so he could be a great outfielder. Uh, the same grade of speed that Anthony Alford has. Um, but he's also been a baseball player for longer than Alfred, so that also helps. Uh, one guy I really liked, we took him in the ninth round. He's a catcher out of Vanderbilt, so good school again. We've already talked about that. He was ranked 139th coming into the draft, and we took him at 267. I was trying to find why he fell down the board, and the only thing I can really think of is that he's, he's, he's also another 5'11 guy in 178, which is a smaller frame for a catcher. Mm-hmm. Usually a catcher's a little bit bigger of a guy, um, and his scouting report talked about how his defense came a long way this season, but some scouts still think that, oh, he's just not big enough to be a catcher. He's not quick enough um, when he comes up, up to throw to second. But, I mean, a smaller guy, if he can master some mechanics and get better at receiving the ball, he'll have less issue getting up into a throwing position as a smaller dude mm-hmm. than, a, than a bigger guy, and hopefully that helps. And then, obviously, one quick shout-out. Uh, we took Braden Halliday. Son of Doc in the 32nd round, Doc's number. Uh, Braden's committed to Penn State, and he's not going to sign with us. He's going to go to college. So just kind of one of those. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it's a it's a good a good shout. Um, he was the fifth Canadian that the Jays have taken in the draft so far. Uh, Deshaun Brown was the only one they took, I think, in the first 20 rounds or 15 rounds or something. Most of the Canadians have been later on, but it's a good a good thing for the Jays to take a few Canadians. I think the Twins have taken three already, and the Cubs have picked a few Canadians as well. So I think there's been about 20 Canadians picked so far in the first 34 or five rounds. Yeah. Patrick, yeah. Uh, any prospects that kind of caught your eye or? I'm very interested in Desan Brown for sure. Not just because he's Canadian, but the fact that he is an outfielder and we really, really need one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously he's like three or four years away from hitting the big leagues, but I was thinking about last year's draft and this year's draft and like, Look at the size of the the big pictures that we have picked, like Alec Manoa, 
uh, Kendall Williams, and remember Adam Kloffenstein, mm-hmm. who's now uh, doing rookie ball. Yep. Or no, he's not. Do- he's no, he's still in spring training, isn't he? He's excited spring training. He'll he'll pitch in either um, Bluefield or Vancouver. Probably Bluefield to start. So their season gets going, I think, shortly. Yeah. So like, and Cloth uh, is six five, and then these other two guys are six six. Can you imagine our rotation like five years from now with these guys all kind of like getting on the mound? How intimidating it's got to be. It's like facing Randy Johnson three out of five days in the week. Just a bunch of lurches on the team. <laughs> yeah. Lurch from Adam's family. Just every single guy. Just good. God, are they tall. Like, And not just tall, but again, like 6'6", 260. That's, that's insane. <laughs> like that's such a that's big, big boy. That's like a middle linebacker in the NFL playing uh, pitcher. Yeah. Cloth is six five two forty three. Yeah, he's also. I mean, a he's he, yeah, he's a big boy. <laughs> um, yeah, for those curious, uh, Bluefield starts on June eighteenth, and the Canadians in Vancouver pick up on June fourteenth. So we're getting pretty close to short season ball. So we'll see some of these other Canadian, or sorry, not Canadians, but uh, prospects in in play soon. Um, quick shout out to Griffin Conine. He came back from that suspension. He's been lighting it up. Mm-hmm. He's blasted a bunch of dingers already. It's almost as if he seems really, really focused. <laughs> hey. It almost as if he's really, really, really focused on the baseball <laughs> for some reason. Like way more focused than anybody else. It's really, really weird. Yeah, that's, that's a good joke. <laughs> Come on, you have to admit that was a pretty good joke. That's guys. pretty. That's pretty Come solid. On. He's got ten hits and twenty four plate appearances. You don't so often far. laugh like that too much. Dude. That was good. I liked. Like, I liked that. Yeah. yeah. Like usually your laugh is kind of like a. You know, you give me one of those, and even I'll take that because that I'm like, like, okay, that you're... was like a legit, like good dad joke. Yeah, right you're more of a uh, smile laugher. Like you don't laugh, you just kind of smile when something's funny. So yeah. when you actually laugh, <laughs> oh, made my day right there. Made yeah. my day. Got to um, for you. It is time for Patrick Marsh's. Okay. Oh, before oh. we get to the what if, there's one more thing I want to mention since we brought up Griffin Conine. So since he's come back, he's only played six games so far for Lansing. He already has three home runs. Yep. Jordan Groshans has played in 23 games, and he only has two home runs. So it's pretty impressive that Griffin has already passed his teammate uh, in, you know, as few games. But Jordan Groshans is still having a tremendous season in Lansing. I have to figure he's going to get called up to to high A uh, sooner than later because he's in Lansing right now, right? Yeah, he's he's hurt. He's been hurt for uh, three weeks. Wow, has cut, he cutting has... down a guy who's since, hurt? How since May, dare you? Since May fifteenth, he's been on the uh, DL with uh, soreness in his left foot. Chirping he, he a guy who's his... on the injured list. He fell off his sixty-day uh, he... DL. Or... No, he's he's he he hurt his foot. Um, he fell the ball off his foot at the end of April. He came back Ugh. for a couple weeks Shit. and then was just it's still not it's still just not really feeling well. So he's been on the DL since uh, May fifteenth. Yeah. I still have to think that he'll finish the year. Sorry, the IL uh, <laughs> above above uh, Lansing by the end of the year. I don't know if that's really going to happen. I think that that roster of middle infielders is so deep down there that I think he'll probably play this season in Lansing and then next year be needed as long as the other prospects ahead of him move up. But yeah, it's it's always possible. I mean, if he if he plays really well, they'll have no choice, right? I mean, his OBP is 427. Yeah, 20, that's 96 at-bats. So. 
All right, if we keep talking about minor league baseball, I'm going to jump in front of a bus. (laughs) So uh, let's get to the what-if part of the show, shall we? Yeah. Uh, This is the part of the show where we just, uh, well, not we, Patrick comes up with a situation, and we just talk about what if. It's kind of like a fun game of uh, would you rather. So without further ado, Patrick, what is the situation for today? Well, uh, this, this week after watching our garbage team play like garbage, I was thinking to myself, now seems like a good time to pull the plug. So what, what if the Blue Jays went full fire sale today? Now, I want to preface this by saying, we'll start off by saying some of, the, some of our players in our system are untouchable. For example, Vladdy, untouchable. Yes. Kavon Biggio, untouchable. Bobichet, untouchable. Guriel, untouchable. I'd say a majority of our top 30 prospects uh, that have yet to be called up or have no MLB experience are probably probably going to stay where they are. Ryan Barucki uh, is obviously our best pitching prospect right now. Uh, and then maybe Trent Thornton. And I would say after that, all bets are off. Uh, so that means we're putting up guys like Justin Smoke. Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, Freddie Galvis, Brandon Drury, Randall Grichuk, Teoscar Hernandez, Devin Travis, Luke Mele, uh, everybody in the garbage gang in the bullpen, so Tapera Meza, basically everybody in the bullpen who's not Ken Giles, maybe Joe Biagini. So that being said, uh, let's put them all on the block. And what do you guys think we're going to get for these guys? Is it worth it to do it? Who has the most value? We'll start there. I would say the person that we should trade first just to see what we could get for him would be Ken Giles. Ken Giles is probably our most tradable player right now because teams that are contenders always need more bullpen help. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a closer, you're going to be in trouble later on in the year. So teams that are contenders, they'll pay a lot for a guy like Ken Giles. And Ken Giles is pitching well, and we don't have any need for a good closer right now. We're not attached to Ken Giles at all. We got him in the Osuna deal. We could probably get, we could probably trade Ken Giles for two more good pitching prospects. But I would start with trading Ken Giles and see what we could get for him before trading someone like an Aaron Sanchez or a Marcus Stroman Mm -hmm. or a Justin Smoke. Mm -hmm. Because if you can get a lot in return for Ken Giles and kind of be like, oh, wow, I didn't think we'd get him for that, you can take a little bit more of a risk by maybe trading Marcus Stroman for a couple riskier players with more potential, you know? But I think we trade Ken Giles first, followed by Aaron Sanchez. I think he's done. I I think we should just give up on him. It sucks giving up on someone, but we could probably get two good prospects for Aaron Sanchez, two good prospects for Ken Giles, and then you you got to think we trade Justin Smoke and we get two good prospects for him. So we get six real top-quality prospects for guys yeah. that we don't really miss. Those are the first three moves I'd make. I'm, I'm with you on the Giles thing for sure. I mean, the guy is striking out more batters than he ever has in his career this season. Mm-hmm. His walks are reasonably low. He's not giving up home runs, um, and I mean he's just he's just looked really really dangerous. His ERA is one one three, and his FIP is two twenty one, or his xFIP is two twenty one. So he's having a great season. He's already got more wins added than he did last season. Um, so I mean he's already pitching on a better pace than he was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if the the next guy to go after, assuming we trade Giles first, the next guy to go would be Marcus Stroman. You think so? Yeah. I still think the Jays 
will sign him long term, but for the sake of this scenario, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Stroman will be traded. And I think he's the kind of guy you can get three prospects for, two of them being, or one being a top five prospect, one being a top 15, and then one being another top 30. Or if you put it in those first two prospects and then add it in like a fifth round draft pick or mm-hmm. something or a fourth round draft pick. I'm still like, I, I as much as like people are ready to give up on Marcus Stroman, I'm not there yet. I mean, the dude has pitched very well this season. He's striking out seven per nine, which is right on his career norms. He's walking just over three, which again is a little bit higher than his career norm, but it's lower than he was last year. He's still not giving up home runs. He's still getting ground balls at an elite level rate. It's just he has gotten no run support so far. Marcus Stroman would probably be the only guy we could trade to possibly get a top 10, top 20 prospect. Out of all those guys on those lists, like I don't think we're going to get a top 20 prospect. Ken Giles, it depends who you, who you, which team you're trading Ken Giles to and, and what point in the season, how desperate they are. Like I mean, the Red Sox need bullpen help. Yeah. The Yankees don't. Oh, yeah. Um, other teams that will like the Phillies are going to need some help if they stay in contention. Mm-hmm. I think the Braves will. There's still talk that the Braves might sign Kimbrel. Um, mm. they could use some help. Yeah, um, that's why I would trade Ken Giles first though, because yeah. if you could maybe get a top twenty prospect and be like, hey, we kind of got our guy that we thought we would only get with trading Marcus Stroman, but we didn't mm-hmm. have to trade Stroman to get him. Maybe you keep Stroman and sign him long term. I don't think I think Stroman should stick around the Jays. I I do too, but for the sake of this this thing and value, our top three most valuable players right now in terms of trade bait are Giles, Stroman, and Justin. Oh Spoke. yeah, easily, easily. I don't think we trade Grichik. We well, they just signed him to a, a five year deal. Yeah, we just signed him to a deal. I think it'd be dumb to trade him. It'd be nice just to build the outfield around Grichik, yeah. the pitching rotation around Stroman, yeah. and the infield around Vladdy. It's all, like with those three cores to the team, you always need that guy to build around. And I think we have a good three guys there. Mm-hmm. We could probably use a better outfielder than Randall Grichik, but he could get hot and he could play really well. You know, he's still young. He's still got a lot of potential. But I think we should definitely keep those three guys. But man, trading Marcus Stroman is so tempting. Yeah. Because you can get a lot for him. Because again, GMs, that's a sexy pick. That's a it sexy is. trade to make. And I bet you that Atkins and Shapiro, as much as I do not trust them, uh, probably know that GMs, they would reach for a guy like Marcus Stroman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good reasons to trade him, but there's also a lot of good reasons to keep him because he's a good pitcher. Good pitchers that start and keep the ball on the ground don't come around too often. And he hasn't been that much of a dingus on social media lately. He's cooled his jets, his selfies, and first, second of all, his jeans. Guy's got to get new jeans. He buys those jeans that come pre-ripped. Yeah. And as someone from Saskatchewan, and I'm sure in the Maritimes too, that's a kick in the dick. <laughs> like, just don't do that, guys. Why? Buy a normal pair of jeans. My, uh, Buy my, a normal pair of fucking jeans. My like, grandpa made a good joke about that one time. My cousin came in. We were having lunch at my grandpa's house, and my cousin comes in the door with some ripped jeans on. And the first thing he says is, it looks like grandpa needs to buy you some new jeans. <laughs> he starts, uh, just started laughing to yeah. himself. Yeah, that was hilarious. Would you <laughs> trade some of our young guys, though, like, for example, a T. Oscar or a Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? Man. No, no. I would trade Teoscar in a heartbeat right now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, uh, Teoscar, yeah, but I would not trade. I think Guerrero, uh, Biggio, Bichette, Guriel, Baraki, and I really do, in my heart of hearts, believe that Jordan Groshans will be a huge part of this team for years to come. 
as well as Adam Klovenstein, but they're they're very far away. Mm-hmm. While these other guys are either already here or maybe a year away, I just don't know where exactly Bo is going to fit in as far as on the field, especially if Jordan Groshans continues to be as good as what he has been as he continues to ascend. I just I know like they're all going to be in the lineup. I just don't know where they're going to fit exactly. So I would not want to trade any of those guys. I'd be happy to trade Sean Reed fully because I don't believe in him anymore. I don't think he has it. What He's been a we, huge disappointment in the minor leagues. What if we could get like a top 10 prospect guy for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. packaged with another player? So we get like three prospects in return, two kind of iffy ones, but one can't miss prospect. And we throw in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and let's say like a Devin Travis or Brandon Drury or Freddie Galvis or something like that. I don't know if any team says yes to that, though. But what if we could? Would you get rid of Gurriel Jr. then? If we could get a top 10 prospect. If we package Gurriel with another player. And then two iffy like top 30 prospects. Yeah, you know, whatever, yeah. I don't know if i take that deal. It would have to be like a very young high-end prospect and not somebody who is like in triple a so mm-hmm. to, so to say like say somebody who's in like a ball and freshly drafted sort yeah. of thing like a hype guy um yeah I, I probably would do it yeah patrick would you no i think guriel should be as untouchable as guerrero Whoa. i think i think i think we are vastly underestimating guriel's utility around the field he can play shortstop he can play second base he can play left field he can, uh, well, I mean, I guess everybody can DH. He's also played a couple games at first base. He started a game at first base this year. And I mean, like, that versatility is going to be the way of the future. And I really do think now that he's back, I, he had a shitty week, but I really do think that Guriel is going to be all-star caliber when it comes to his eye at the plate. Maybe not this year, <laughs> obviously, but in the years to come, I just think it's, we just got to hang on to him. We just got to be patient. I think players that are like Guriel that are very, very versatile, they kind of get away with a lot of their flaws because they can play everywhere. Uh, For example, Ryan Goins. Ryan Goins was great for the Jays. I'm not cutting down Ryan Goins here, but everyone seemed to thought that Ryan Goins was the guy, myself included. I was like, look at this guy. He can play all over the plate. He's awesome. But let's just like, was he really that good? Nah. Like, Ryan Goins, looking back on it, it was like, you're okay, but again, he's one of those versatile guys that you look back, you're not really going to miss him. Like, we don't really miss Ryan Goins. Those yeah. versatile guys kind of come along because, again, in baseball, a lot of guys are just great at the game of baseball. You, you see it all the time where they're just super, super versatile. Guriel is way better than Ryan Goins. <laughs> that's, yeah. Obviously. That's but those versatile guys, I think sometimes you just tend to overlook it because it's like, oh, he can play all over the field, but he's got a huge glaring issue. I just feel like... I think Patrick's I, – I love Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I just think you're overvaluing him a little bit. And, I mean, you talked about his eye at the plate. He strikes out over a quarter of the time and walks less than 5% of the time. Yeah. I don't know if that means he has got a good eye or not. I will give him props. He has played very well in left field. Um, and that's I think that's going to be the position we'll see him in. I don't really consider Lourdes Gurriel an infield prospect anymore. He's more of a, a left field major leaguer. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I think he looks really good out there. I mean, his bat definitely profiles as a guy who over a full season could project to hit about 20, 24, somewhere in there, home runs, um, which is good for a corner outfield spot. 
he's young, he's athletic, he fits in with the core of this team in terms of like the like the personality. He's young, he wants to play baseball, he's passionate about it. So mm-hmm. I mean, I lo- I like the guy as a person. I don't think he's as valuable as we might think he is, just in terms of like being a complete player. But he's definitely showing promise in left field and at the plate since he's been back. Let's talk about the week that was for uh, the Blue Jays here. It was bad. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they've all been bad. Um, that Rays series, bad. Because um, we had to play in the trop, and we just knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, Patrick, your first impressions on that Rays series? Honestly, hey, like, hand to God, didn't watch a single game this week. So, like, all I have to base this on <laughs> for this week is the stat lines. Just because they were... Every time I went to go turn the game on, they're already losing. And I was like, I can't put myself through this. So I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I guess that makes me a, ba- a bad fan. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> I don't fine. Know. It's not like you host a podcast about the Blue Jays or anything. So that's okay. That's fine. Uh, Justin, uh, Ray Series, what do you think? I uh, really like Austin Meadows. I think he's a stud. The Rays are very lucky to have gotten him for Chris Archer along with uh, Glasnow. What a steal. I mean, Huge that steal. was like that. The Rays are just like the kings of making these lopsided trades. It's crazy. They're like that guy in fantasy football. And they got Tommy Pham last year too. Like, for yeah. who they even trade for Tommy Pham? I don't even remember. But it's nobody basically. They just steal these players. They picked up a Visayel Garcia after the White Sox decided not to sign him out of arbitration this season, and he's playing really well for them too. It seems like the Rays are just like whoever's running their front office. Like they must have just like had this crazy analytical department like they're very like they're miles ahead of other baseball teams they really play the small market thing well and i mean it's it's a sh- really a shame that only like six thousand fans come out to watch Tampa bay rays yeah, games because, because... If, can you imagine if, if they had if we had that caliber of team in toronto or every year where i mean the rays have won like 80 plus 90 plus games last year for like They've won like that many games for like the last five years in a row. Yeah. Yet they get no support. Zero no love. support. Yeah. It's really sad. I mean, it, it sucks. And then you have teams like the Mets who are dog shit every year and they still fill up the stands somehow. It's just like the level of <laughs> fan support that the Mets have. If you could channel half of that into the Rays fan base, you'd have a great fan base. Uh, the Rocky series also got swept. Um, Patrick, again, first impressions from that series. <laughs> um... I mean, I would have thought if they're playing at Coors that we might see, you know, a little bit more offensive production. Uh, but we didn't. By the way, Tommy Pham, uh, the Rays traded away Roel Ramirez. Huh? Who? Exactly. Genesis Cabrera. Huh? Who? <laughs> and Justin Williams. All those guys are under 24, so they were, I guess at the time, like prospects of some sort, but they all have negative war for this year, although it's all limited appearances. But anyway, yeah, the Jays fucking sucked this week. They only scored nine runs in fucking cores. Like, just, I can't wait to tear into these assholes when it comes to who's hot and who's not. Can't wait. Spoiler alert. Uh, Also, too, I like when... uh... Someone hits a home run at Coors Field, like mm. uh, like uh, Story did it twice, and they kind of flash their lights yeah. when they run the bases. I really like that. But I like how give... teams kind of do that a little bit more now. From everyone I've talked to who has ever been to that ballpark, it's their favorite ballpark in the big leagues. It's cool. Everyone says the, that. The center field, too, with yeah. the little forest. And they've, the... they've really got a cool backdrop there. 
I I wanted to go to that series because it was on a weekend. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm glad I didn't because I already watched the Jays suck in Anaheim this year. So <laughs> I didn't want to – I would have gone through endured two losing weekends. But, I mean, Vladdy had a good series. He had five hits, including a home run. Mm-hmm. So For as bad as we were, it always feels nice beating the Yankees. We can lose yeah. six in a row, but. and then when we beat the Yankees, all is <laughs> forgotten. Is and it's just like, yeah, suck it, New York. Uh, Richard looked okay. Didn't get five innings, though. That kind of worries me when our starters don't go five innings. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay. He, he looked a little bit tired in that fourth or that fifth inning. Yeah, but Galvis uh, looked great. Grichuk looked great. Uh, Vladdy, again, just always looks great because he's the guy. Um, and right now, as we record this podcast, the Jays are up 3-1 against yeah. the Yankees. And Teoscar Hernandez is back. Yeah. Coming out really, really hot. So he's got a hit and a run. And a run so again, far. it just seems like whenever we don't play teams, well, I guess with the exception of the Rays, but like we come to play when yeah. we play the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees. We do not come to play when we play teams like Colorado or Tampa Bay. Like it just seems like we focus too much on those teams. We got to win other games, guys. Like we're uh, seeing the second team for Kendris Morales this season. He's DHing for the Yankees tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's he's over one with a walk. wonder if it's sun's out, guns out, Kendris. I don't know, yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's get into who's hot, who's not. I can sense Patrick wants to get into this. So, buddy, you set the bar high here. Go. Go nuts. Listen, I really have a bone to pick with this team after the, their week-long performance. We can certainly talk about some of the players who had good good contact this week, but Holy shit, man. I can't believe how bad they were at the plate. All of our bottom performers, so like Rowdy, Biggio, Jansen, Gritchick, Galvis, they all managed to get on base a little bit more. Uh, they were drawn walks and things like that, but holy shit. Like Gritchick went two for 19. Both his hits were home runs, which is great. He had three RBIs, which led the team but he hit 105 for the week. That's pathetic. Freddie Galvis is even worse. He went two for 20. Two for 20. Two for 20. And he was in the lineup for five games. It's unfucking real how bad these guys are with runners in scoring position. Look at the stat line for this week. Look at how few runs we scored. It's pathetic. I, I like I just don't understand. Look at the extra, the complete lack of extra base hits. Flatty had three doubles, and then the rest of his teammates combined had four. Nobody had any triples. What do we have? Five home runs in a week? Like, what the fuck? We can't win baseball games with guys batting like 220, 210. Like, you know, this isn't the, the plot to major league back to the minors. This isn't the, you know... This isn't the fucking angels in the outfield. There's no divine hand going to come down and fix this situation. Whatever is going on in BP, these guys, I don't care how good they look in BP anymore. I'm tired of watching those stupid-ass videos. Get your asses out on the field and actually perform when it matters. I'm sick of this shit. I've had enough of it. Fuck Telez, fuck Biggio, fuck Jansen, fuck Grichuk, fuck Galvis. Relax, man. It's a rebuild year. For somebody who didn't watch any ball games, you're pretty fired up. Yeah. Relax. Okay. (laughs) We knew it was going to happen. Again, like, it's like everyone in Jay's land just needs to smoke a joint and relax and be like, it's it's fine. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. It's going to be tough. I agree. This sucks. Again, like, I'm with you, Patrick. Don't worry. Like, it sucks. It's, It's really frustrating watching this team. I can't stand it. It's really, really bad. But we knew it was coming. 
We, it's not like we're sitting, if we were like a playoff team going into the season and this was going on, I'd be exactly where you are right now. I'd be losing, I'd be worse. I, I'd probably quit the podcast. I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. But it's just the fact that like, I just knew this team was going to be so bad. So it's like, yeah, let's see how bad we can get. Like, Let's yeah. tank. Well, I don't want to tank, but again, I, I agree. But like, oh man, like they're, they're still our boys. They're, they're still the Jays. Still got to kind of cheer for them a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Who's hot? Who's not for well, the uh, batters? Patrick's covered the shit show of the bottom half of the order. I mean, we had four guys who did reasonably well this week. And by reasonably well, I mean decently well. Um, Sogard had a great week. Hit 500 again. Good for him. Uh, Luke Maley actually went three for seven, which is the first time I think Luke Maley's made the hot list all season. Uh, Vladdy was six for 16 with a home run. One walk and two strikeouts. And Smokey was three for nine. So... He's been he's been really good the last little while. He had three walks again to no strikeouts, on base machine. Um, other guys who had great on base percentages. Jonathan Davis only had five at bats. I think he's probably. I'm not sure if he got sent down for Teoscar. I, I missed that this he afternoon. Did. He did. Okay, so he's gone again, which makes yeah. sense. Uh, Kevin Biggio, sure. I mean, the kid's doing okay. He's walked. He walked four times against five strikeouts. Stole a couple of bases, so he's adding some value there. I believe he's got a base hit tonight. Um, so that's good for him. Yeah, he does have a base hit tonight. So I mean, it's been a bit of a slow start for Biggio, but I mean, he's still getting on base. So that's that's my that's my grief and lack thereof, I guess. Patrick, you can now go off on the pitchers if you want to. Uh, let's start with some positive stuff. All right, the previously anointed garbage gang actually did pretty well this week. Ken Giles, Daniel Hudson, Derek Law, Thomas Pannone, all put up zero. And he earned runs. I love it. All those guys represented, uh, what, eight innings of relief this uh, this past week? Yeah, about that. Uh, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Uh, Ken Giles got the save. Ken Giles, by the way, is first in the American League in F-War, which is the wins above replacement as uh, recorded or uh, compiled by fan graphs. I do. I'm starting to think you guys are right. He is like the most valuable trade ship we have right now because there are teams like Boston and Atlanta who are desperate to get some sort of reliever, but don't want to pay Craig Kimbrell ten million dollars to play, you know, sixty percent of a season and not be at a hundred percent until like August. Mm-hmm. So we've got some attractive pieces. Even Joe Biagini deserves some credit. Um, I've been pretty hard on him for a long time, but I got to say out of all of our arms this year, at least he's been the most consistent and Marcus Stroman was okay this week, but he didn't get any run support. It's not really his fault. Uh, when we lose baseball games, like when, you know, he's only given up three or three or three or four runs and, You know, we're not scoring any at all. Like, I mean, we can't really blame him. I can, put the blame uh, on him. Talk about that one a bit too. And that in that game, that was against Colorado. The three runs yeah. he gave up were all in the first inning, the earned runs. The fourth yeah. run, the unearned run, was a single to center field that Davis allowed to get past him. He just didn't get a glove down and roll underneath of him. And then he threw it to Biggio, who threw it wide of third base into the dugout for a little league home run. So, um. <laughs> Ramil Tapia should have been on first base and he ended up scoring base thanks to two errors. That that was that unearned run. So Stroman, while he got hit around in the first inning for three runs, went six more innings 
and didn't walk a batter in that game. Uh, he was he's, he got a lot of ground balls in that game. I thought he looked really good after that first inning, and it was too bad the team couldn't climb back into it for him. Mm-hmm. Remember when Sam Gaviglio was on our radar as a possible guy who can overworked contribute to the Jays? I think he was overworked because man, he does he does not look like the same Sam Gaviglio no. of before. He's he's not looking great. Aaron Sanchez. Like I said before, I would trade him. I, he'd be the second guy I trade in our complete rebuild. It's just, it's time. Give him a chance. I'm just over the, if I'm over the finger injuries. It's not his fault. It just keeps happening, but I'm done with that. Um, is that it, fellas? That's it for who's hot, who's not. That's it for the week that was. That's no, it for. No, we're not, we're, we are not letting Edwin Jackson off that easily. Listen. Oh, I thought we were, we're going to talk about him. I'm done with him. No, we are going to talk about it because I was thinking about this and like, what, what Edwin Jackson is doing right now by playing Major League Baseball is he's actually hurting his family because think about all these kids having to go to school knowing that your dad uh, is an absolute fucking shit show on the mound. Imagine, imagine being like, yeah, Edwin Jackson's my dad. He gave up 10 fucking earned runs and 10 hits last night. And uh, he was just basically serving up meatballs all night like can you imagine that like the self-esteem issues those kids are gonna have like should this guy just be like taken out back and fucking old yellard or just like i don't know i don't know what to do like just replace him with a fucking pitching machine or fucking 50 cent <laughs> well, at least, we should, at least he'd give up just, less runs let's just get this out of the way first we probably should not murder him that's illegal Let's yeah. just get that out what of the way right now. Do. Historically, I'll just say I don't advocate any type of violence, but I meant Obviously, like... Obviously, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you've just been on an angry tirade you really, for the You really last came across minutes. as someone who does not condone violence with the whole old yellow um, thing. And, and can we just... I just want to... I'm looking around for like a glass jar so we can start adding up all of Patrick's F-bombs and throw some quarters in it. I had one today. I had one. I always throw in one F-bomb. I, don't know I know if your I... mom listens, so yeah, I don't like to swear. I don't know if I had one today. But I always like throwing in one or two. It's fine. I usually throw in a shit or two, but there's one shit. Nothing yeah. nice than a good shitter. Yeah, but I mean. I just think Mrs. Anderson would understand, given how poorly the team performed this week. I'm, I am I do apologize, I'm going to have to Mrs. mark this content explicit when I post it. Yeah. Dude, thanks to Patrick. It'll be our first explicit episode. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I just got upset, man. Look, I, and again, you guys didn't answer my question. Like, what do you think it's like being the child of Edwin Jackson right now, knowing that he is the absolute worst pitcher in Major League Baseball right now? How much does Edwin Jackson make? I'm not sure. I don't know. But I, I don't care. I don't think Edwin Jackson's kids really care too much. Yeah, but Edwin Jackson's making $500,000 a year, which is low for baseball players, but it's for minimum. normal people, that's a lot of money. So I think Edwin Jackson's kid is getting a lot of toys. Let's look at his I think, career. I think, he's, I think he's doing okay. I think Edwin Jackson's <laughs> kid's having a fun time. I mean, he's thrown a no-hitter. He has? Yeah, I think he had a lot of walks in it, though. <laughs> I, did, I forgot about that. Was he in Oakland when that happened? Uh, he may have been. I'm just looking up his career. In 2011, he was making $11 million a season, guys. His career earnings. Uh, let's look here. $78 million. $95,000. So I don't think Edwin Jackson's kids really care that I would like much. it if Edwin Jackson was my dad. Buy yeah. me a boat. 
right? <laughs> like, sweet, buy me a house. Buy me two boats and a house. Yeah. Uh, okay. Edwin Jackson ripping is done. Uh, this episode is done. Thanks for hanging out. Um, again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow. Make sure you give us a like, comment on stuff. Ask us some questions. Give us some topics. Give us your ideas. We love hearing from you. Uh, if you listen on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, tune in wherever you're listening. Thanks a bunch. Extra song. I picked it. Patrick, you have it? Get it it's Hello Time Bomb by Matthew Goodband. Very fitting for this Jays team. Uh, talk to you next week. I found me a reason So check me tomorrow We'll see if I'm leaking Push and push and push till it hurts My devil's on roller skates Down at the roller rink Picking up chicks for me, ones that